0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. All right, cool. Well, I'm Grisha, a compulsive overeater. I know many of you, but I am um, hope to get to know the rest of you. Um, right now, I'm kind of pulling up the the tools on my screen so I can talk directly about them. I should have done that beforehand, sorry. And um, also I just always like to share um, my pictures. So I'll I'll share that just for a second. So step one for me was uh, I'm powerless over food. I'm a compulsive overeater. My top weight was over 300 pounds. I'm a century person. Um, So uh, I experienced morbid obesity from the time I was You know, a teenager until I found OA at age 30, and when I did, I um, found physical recovery. um, My food plan—I've been abstinent for 22 years. I don't eat sugar or flour or grains. I eat three meals a day, Um, and so I feel really grateful to OA uh, for giving me a comfortable way to live abstinently in this world, in a um, in a healthy size, at a healthy body weight. healthy mind state <laughs> and uh, typically a, a good emotional state too. So, oh, let's see. Um, first of all, I have to say, I hope I don't start crying because at 5.30 this morning, my friend Alma died, a, a long-time term, a friend of mine. Um, and uh, so I'm just kind of processing that grief right now. And, um, you know, the tools and the OA program always help me process these things that are going on in real in real life you know it's like real life stuff um, and despite the sadness and grief I feel in my heart right now between tears and things I don't feel the d- desire to go to my left to the kitchen and eat about it it's just I know food's not going to help anything and but as a compulsive eater sometimes the physical sensation of grief that sort of like heaviness and churning on the inside, you know, the tears coming, like sometimes I can interpret that or my brain can interpret that as hunger, as food hunger. It's not hunger. It's fake hunger. It's like, and I get fake hunger all the time. I get fake hunger after I eat my uh, abstinent meal, you know, seven minutes later, I'm like, hmm, I'm hungry. It's like, No, you're not hungry. You just, maybe you're sad or maybe you're bored or maybe there's something else going on, but hunger is not, it's not real hunger. So I keep reminding myself, no, that's grief. That's what it feels like when someone you love dies. And um, many people who I love have passed away, my mom, my dad, um, and many friends during the AIDS crisis. And um, when you're in recovery and you have very, my experience has been in recovery that like you meet and you become very close to people really quickly and you have a really, you know, deep and spiritual bond with people. Um, And so, Um, when they pass it's really it's really difficult and that's what I'm experiencing Um, there's one there's this one idea um, uh, it's called wabi-sabi or kintsugi I think it's a Japanese idea where when uh, uh, when a teapot or a piece of ceramics is broken you put it back together with cement and gold dust so that where the fractures are, where the breaks are become the strongest part of the cup and you sort of celebrate that beauty. And so I feel like, you know, today, my friend Alma has put a little gold fracture in my heart again. So, um, you know, what doesn't kill me or send me back to the food makes me stronger. And, um, I get to, I get to really just like spend the day reflecting on the joy and, uh, the love that we shared uh, in our friendship over 32 years or something, 33 years. Um, So, uh, let's see, Um, the tools, uh, plan of eating. You know, for me, this is really, um, this is the foundation of my program. Um, You know, I, I, I started, I started uh, the 12 step, I started my 12 step recovery in another program. And in that program, I became very, you know, um, very knowledge, you know, what do you call it? Uh, Experienced working the steps, all the steps around another substance. Um, And so when I came into OA, it was baffling to me at first, how you apply the steps around food. Um, But I had a a guide, I had a, I had one person I knew who 12 stepped me into recovery and he showed me, he explained it. He, you know, patiently, um, explained and modeled it for me. So, um, you know, step one for me, you saw my pictures, morbidly obese, tried many diets. I couldn't stop eating compulsively on my own. Somehow I thought it was something I had to do by myself. Um, even in diet programs, I never, you know, sometimes I, I, I joined the ones where there were other people involved, but usually it's just,
1: I'm gonna do this,
0: you know, and then I can't do this. Um, I do it for a little while and I fall back into the food, crash back into the food. So um, so step one was easy for me. I, I did, had no problem admitting it. I just had no faith that I could recover from it. And then um, for step two, walking into my first OA meeting um, with this guide, my friend who 12-stepped me, Um, as a guide, he, you know, helped me understand. And I saw in the speakers and in the positive pitches at that meeting that this is possible for me, that other people are telling my story, they have the same experience I have, and they have recovery. So for me, step three was my plan of eating. Basically for step, and, and you know, some people balk at this idea, but for me, step three is my, is my plan of eating. It's basically at the point when I decided I turned it over, I decided, okay, I can't eat the way I want to. if I do, I'm going to be you know six hundred pounds and dead so um, by eating by sticking to a plan of eating one day at a time, one meal at a time, no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter who dies, no matter what happens with my work, no matter who's uh, you know what's happening in the world, I don't pick up food as a result of what's happening i stick to my food plan and the minute i decide to pick up a compulsive bite i just took back my step three I, I i took my will back you know like and my i had a sponsor who said you might not know what god's will is for you but you probably know what it isn't so i know that no no good person spirit god goddess being on the planet thinks it's a good idea for me to go over on my couch and eat until I'm 600 pounds, and chain smoke cigarettes between, and drink and drug to numb the pain between. Like, nobody nobody wants that for me. That's not, that's not anybody's will, but that is my will, strangely. <laughs> uh, you know, I still sometimes when I see a junkie on the street who's like, you know, nodding off and flopping around and has abscesses up and down their arm, I still think, wow, you know, I still, there's some, weird part in my brain is like shooting up would be fun, you know, like when I see someone, you know, who's morbidly obese at Starbucks, uh, you know, shoveling down cookies and cake and food, and I feel the pain that they feel, and I look at it, and I think, oh god, that, you know, I, part of me wants that back, you know, like that's the, that's why i know my disease will never is never going to be gone i i still want that you know there's some part of me that wants that that comfort because when i was growing up the only comfort i could find uh at my fingertips was food you know like my dad was ill <clears throat> he died when i was young he was um very sick and in and out of the hospital and you know taken away by ambulance a few times um and you know to soothe that fear, I would eat. You know, my mom and I had a terrible relationship when I get angry or feel hurt or feel um, judged, I would just eat. When people called me fat in school, when I felt left out and I felt weird, and then eventually when I discovered, you know, had self discovery and realized I was gay, I ate to, to calm that stuff. So that's the only thing I knew. So <clears throat> thankfully, the, the program gives me new tools and that. The number one tool for me is my plan of eating. Like that's how I know I'm abstinent. If I'm eating according to my plan of eating, then I'm abstinent. And if I decide to take back my will and eat the way I, my my addict wants to eat, then I've taken back my will. I've given up step three. Um, For sponsorship, uh, gosh, that became really important. That's um, you know, on top of the grief of Alma dying, I also talked to my. Uh, my first AA sponsor. um, So I've known him for, he's been my sponsor for about 27 years and um, he's been diagnosed with lymphoma. And when I talked to him yesterday or day before yesterday, he was breathless and weak and he could barely talk. And he, he said, look, I can't talk. I'm too weak. And, and so he, we had to hang up the call and I'm, I think of what he, I think of the ways that he helped me in early recovery and all my sponsors have helped me and my sponsees who, you know, because I work with them, I'm, I'm constantly immersed in the steps. And, you know, you can't, you have to, you know, practice what you're preaching. <laughs> you don't even have anything to preach if you haven't practiced it. And it's not really preaching, it's just doing it together, you know. So um, my sponsor really was uh, key in learning how to do uh, a proper inventory, like how to really look at my assets and my liabilities. Um, I remember my fourth first my first fourth step, you know, I had all these defects listed out. And at the very end, my sponsor very lovingly said, have you ever thought about um, self-righteous indignation? <laughs> uh, have you ever thought about unrealistic expectations? Well, there it was, my two top primary character defects um, that caused me pain throughout my life. And without the help of that sponsor, I would probably not have seen them. You know, I was just, it's like, you know, when you're a fish in the water, you don't see the water, you're just in it, you know? So it was really important to work with somebody else, someone outside, you know, you can't fix a crazy brain with a crazy brain. So I need somebody else to interject and um, and share their experience with me in a way that allows me to really like um, take, you know, take a step back and really be honest about what um, what's happening with my behavior and in my life. Um, so sponsorship was really key for me, uh, and learning about really taking a deep dive into self and healing the things that were broken. Um, meetings, uh, you know, when I first, when I walked into that first OA meeting, lifeboat meeting in San Francisco, there were probably a hundred people there and there were literature tables, eight feet long and, um, Someone serving tea and someone greeting, and you know, newcomer meeting in the back. And um, wow, it was like a it was like walking into the ICU when you're sick, you know, it was just it was really great. And immediately I started going to lots of meetings and, um, and got, you know, got in what like they call it the middle of the lifeboat, you know, I just got into meetings. I picked, I just, yeah, I started going and I started hearing what I needed to hear. And it led me to my uh, food plan. It led me to abstinence Um, and eventually, you know, hearing things in meetings and working with a sponsor, eventually my food plan, um, I changed my food plan and made it healthier and healthier for me. Um, You know, the first year I lost 25 pounds, kept going to meetings, kept working with my sponsor. Then the second year, just before my second year anniversary, I um, changed my food plan. Got rid of flour and grains, and I lost another 100 pounds. It just like poof. And more importantly, the obsession was lifted more completely, more fully. It's not completely, I shouldn't say completely. It was more fully lifted. So I became more comfortably abstinent when I gave up the foods that were still um, triggering my addiction. Um, Telephone. Um, I'm not a big user of the telephone on a daily basis, but it sure has saved my ass um i have a relationship with my sponsor that uh finally like after years uh in the last 10 years i'd say i actually whenever something comes up the for my the first thought is not you know a donut my first thought is i better call my sponsor it's like it's just automatic i call my sponsor i call my sponsor um and the you know the story i always like to tell my first my it's like a third step a first second and third step story is that um I was probably just a three days abstinent and I came back from, to work from a, an abstinent lunch and someone had left me a giant slab of cake in my cube and it was German chocolate, my favorite, and had a fork jabbed in it and it was just sitting there and, um, and all those same diet thoughts went in my head, like it's only been three days, I can never do this, it's never gonna work, nobody's looking, how nice of that person to think of me, I can't let them down by throwing it away. But I picked up the telephone and I called the one person I knew, an OA, and I said, there's cake in my cube. And he said, uh, you know, put me on hold, take it in the kitchen, put it in the trash, squirt dish soap on it so you don't eat it out of the trash later, and come back. And I just followed his directions. And when I came back, he said, well, you're absent. Have a good day. I got to go. <laughs> and, um, and so that was the power of the telephone. And there was that third step, you know, it was like, okay, am I going to say F it and take back my will, eat the cake and go to hell? Or am I going to? Do someone else's will, not my will. Pick up the telephone and ask for help. And so I'm glad that in that particular moment, I decided to pick up the phone. Um, for writing, um, uh, writing is uh, you know, I give the tenth step and writing, and the fourth step and tenth step writing that I did, actually, in sixth step, actually, even more importantly, um. It's just transformative, and you know, my sponsor said, you know, handwrite all of this stuff because I'm a I'm a typing person. I learned how to type uh, in high school on Black Beauties and a Selectric three. So I'm like, I'm very comfortable just type 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 type. type. Okay, what does that mean? I got five minutes. Oh yeah yeah okay. Um, anyway, so by writing. My sponsor said, your mind slows to the speed of the pen moving across the page, and you'll be surprised about what comes up and comes out onto the paper. And I was definitely um, find that to be true. And through many 10 steps, and through writing the same problems over and over again, I finally was able to find solutions. Um, It helped me in every area of my life, career, relationships, family, I made amends to my mom, which was really important in the final years of her life. Um, so that writing was really transformative. And there's many fo- formats that I've been shown for 10 steps um, and fourth steps that and six steps that really um, changed my life. Um, Action plan. Uh, Since that's a new step, I have the least amount of experience with an action plan and I have the least amount of willingness in that area. And that's one where I really need, maybe that'll be people's share today, hopefully. Um, You know, my sponsor is constantly uh, encouraging me to have an action plan around work because I'm a workaholic and I sit at this, I'm a teacher and it's, um, I sit at this computer zooming for, and I'm at my computer for like 12 hours a day and I'm like, I'm not, exercising, you know, I do meditate. Um, I do go for a walk occasionally. I get on my bike occasionally, but I'm just stuck and I'm a workaholic stuck working. And it feels like as a teacher, I'm not doing enough and I'm doing too much. You know, it's like, it's both. So, um, I need an action plan that, that creates a more healthy life for me. I have, I take all the actions I need to around food. I shop, I, you know, I make my abstinent meals before I go anywhere with anyone. If I don't know, if I don't know about the food problem, the food, you know, issues that I will face, I just bring my food, even if it's at your house and bring a Tupperware and ask for a plate to dump it on. Um Anonymity. Um I respect the am- anonymity of this program. I would certainly not want people going out, you know, blah, blah, blah. I saw you and blah, blah, blah. And you said that. And but um I don't mind breaking my anonymity when I see someone suffering, if if they ask, especially, and if there's any opportunity to um, out myself as a recovering member, a once obese person, I'm happy to break my own anonymity, but I don't want to break yours. So, and then finally being of service. Um, like I said, when I, in the other program that I first started in, I was really, it was drilled into me how important service was and how service puts you in the middle of, of the lifeboat and it gives you a community and it gives you um, a foundation for your recovery. And so I've always done service and um, and I love doing service. I mean, um, I love meetings. I love being a secretary. I've been, I'll be a Zoom host. I'll, the only thing I don't like is treasurer. It's too much paperwork. <laughs> So, thank you to those some on this meeting who are long term long time treasurers for meetings um, but being service being of service is showing up right here on Zoom. All of us are being of service to each other and ha- you know building a community of love and support. Um, you know uh, I have a sister I have three sisters but one of them lives is in program, but she lives in an area where there are no meetings and so um, I was always grateful to be of service in our physical meetings, and now even more so, we can reach out with our Zoom meetings and reach people who could never be reached before. So thank you all for being of service and I'll stop my share there and um, hope I said something useful and look forward to hearing from all of you.